Hello, this is Lex, and welcome to the Next Step Remote Podcast, where I have the pleasure to interview some of the best remote work experts from all over the world. In each episode, we cover a topic, success story, or challenge to help you make remote work work. Enjoy. Wherever you are in the world, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, where I will try to answer the question, can you work remotely and continue to innovate as an organization? And I have invited Fredrik Hiagihammar along for the ride. Fredrik is the co-founder of House of Sparks, a Stockholm-based consultancy which supports organizations to ignite ideas and turn them into action through education. He is an expert in innovation and digital production with extensive blue chip and high profile experience. Prior to co-founding House of Sparks, he lived in the Big Apple and worked for Google Creative Lab and Anomaly. Also, he is a guitar geek who has just launched a new guitar amplifier brand. Well, Frederick, thank you very much for coming on the show. And first of all, tell us more about the amplifier brand. <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, it, the amplifier brand is called Insulander Amplification. It was kind of a uh, a dream uh, to uh, because I'm a guitar geek, as you said. You know, to launch your own your own um, amplifier was kind of a a dream of mine. Uh, and I I um, I was thinking, you know, I help companies to innovate every day, so why not you know use my own medicine? So uh, that's what we did. Yeah, it's it's been super fun. It's been a year now, and we have. Uh, uh, everything is hand built and they built by on order so we i think we have released uh, around 25 now or so so that's kind of cool wow that's yeah. that's awesome that's i'm really glad to hear that it's like it's the little passion projects that kind of keep, us, keep us going yeah and I, I like that you take your own advice let's put it this way in terms of innovation uh that's that's really really good to hear yeah talking of innovation big topic and oh, yes. the question that I've come across actually uh, today. I was reading a very interesting article that was asking that question of what companies can do, how they can do it, and whether it's even possible. So, I guess my first question to you is what have you seen over the past few months? What has been going on for you, and what have you seen in the lines of work that you do with House of Sparks? Uh, so, First of all, unfortunately, I would say that a lot of uh, companies have done nothing, and that's that's my biggest takeaway. Unfortunately, um, but the few ones that are keeping up the speed, I mean, they they are working as normal, basically taking the time and understanding that this is a window of opportunity in this crazy thing that happens to us right now. The the pan, uh, pandemic or you know the, this covid thing it's horrible but at the same time it's a perfect landscape for innovation because um people are open to try new things now you know and some companies the really smart ones they they are you know taking care of that opportunity i would say but there's just a few of them and um, it's, of course, different depending on, on countries and stuff like that. But in Sweden, we haven't closed things down, but a lot of people work from home. And uh, at least my experience is that a lot of people that are working from home right now, I don't know if they work or what they do, uh, but probably more garden work than actually work. And um, so... I think no one really expected this to be, uh, you know, 
this time frame on this. I think most people maybe thought, you know, a month or so, and then we're good to go. But so I see a lot of people running around in circles now with with no uh, plan. And um, yeah, so that's the biggest takeaway right now. Absolutely. I've seen something similar. And the way I've been describing is that the companies have been holding their breath, basically. Uh, waiting for things to blow over to understand and see how how things transpire what comes out of it Mm. and that's sort of i would think an understandable way of doing it but as you say the now is the time to innovate Uh, i think companies are running out of breath and we've now got a slightly better idea how long things will last and what the consequences might be later in the year and innovation is is a big part of it and I think they need to start addressing that as um, amongst other key things. Yeah. And especially where businesses now have to move online. You said different countries do a different approach. I know Sweden had no official lockdown, but people were still working from home. UK had an official lockdown. Most countries in, in the EU and around the world as well. They will have to change how they work. So yeah. there's, no, there's no way around innovation. What can they do? How can we find it? Because one of the biggest fears when it comes to remote working and innovation is, you know, big ideas come when we are huddled together in a room or around a desk or around a whiteboard and whatever, in yeah. that physical present that you get those, you know, clashes and uh, sparks flying, house, house, of, house of sparks. Yeah. Um, so what what can what can they do? Okay, they've now gone out of lockdown. They realized they, they need to continue working from home, but they need to innovate. What did they do? Yeah, so, so first first of all, I mean, the, the biggest obstacle when you work with innovation with companies, if you ask them, you know, if you really ask them, you know, what, why are you not innovating more than you do? Uh, it's always quiet in a room. And if there's a woman in the room, she will be the one who answered and said, you know, uh, uh, we're afraid of failing. And then when we talk about failing, it's always about time and money, you know. And... Right now, they have the time. You know, a lot of companies have time. People are home; they have the time uh, because they are they they can't you know do other types of work, but they can spend time on this. Another obstacle is also uh, you know we're not digital enough. We don't have the right tools and stuff like that. And I think this period is crazy period once again have proven that we have the tools. You know, no one can say that we don't have the tools to work remotely. Uh, and I think also that a lot of people kind of gained uh, confident in, in doing so as well, which is great. So uh, with that said, you know, uh, another obstacle is people don't think they're creative enough. And, and that has to do with, you know, process on how you're working and stuff like that. And now when you have the tools in place, you have the time, there's actually nothing to uh, is holding you back. Um, but I think the last step to actually make it happen is is to have a process to work around, you know, and, and find the real challenges to solve real problems because people are tired of, of oh, you know, let's innovate and then they have a brain session and then something ends up on post-it notes and nothing happens with it. So people people need to have a plan for what, what they're doing and why. And then also they need the stakeholder, of course, to actually take care of the ideas because the, it's no it's no problem to come up with ideas the problem is to to do something with them and a good start uh, if you work remotely is to have like an innovation platform tool for example i work with a tool called hives 
you can find it on hives.co, which is a great tool to in, uh, invite people uh, around a topic or a challenge and come with ideas. And then you can follow the idea in a, a systematic way from, you know, challenge to prototype maybe, or maybe a product. Uh, so I think, you know, um, my tips for for people that want to start innovating on remotely is to you know create a, a super simple process f- from from a to b sort of how how we, you can go from a to b and then let people know about it and then invite them to be a part of it the question i often get asked is what tools to use and yeah. my answer tends to be it's not the tools it's how you use them because Absolutely. there are so many collaborative platforms, so many file storages and so on. You've got um, uh, Muriel, you've got Coda, you've got Notion, you know, you name yeah. it, there's a tool for it. Yeah. And uh, so it's more absolutely, as you say, about that process. And it's good to hear coming from you that it, that, that it starts with that, that companies will need to start. And it doesn't have to be complicated, does it? No, not at all. And, and mo- actually, most companies nowadays, for good and bad, have Office 360, you know. Or Office 365, it's called, right? The Microsoft product, you can do everything in there. Uh, you just have to set the rules for what, you know, this is how we're going to innovate. You know, you you set up a, a thing in team and you work with this way and you do that way. And you can do everything in teams, you know. Is it the best tool out there? No, not at all. But you have it, so why don't use it, you know? So... You can't blame technology anymore, um, and uh, you know it's about using it the right way. And I think that's where you know the facilitator role is so important, and that's what I help companies with. You know, as you said, we, we help people to educate them on how to do this themselves. But most often, I start with helping them out as a facilitator, uh, and it's it's no rocket science at all. But I have a process, and I stick to that process. And that's why it works every single time. How have you found uh, doing these kind of the, the difference between, because obviously it's it's far better to have workshops face-to-face mm-hmm. um, because the interaction is better. You can read the body language and so on. So we are getting to the point of Zoom fatigue. Um, I guess what, what process do you follow in a very, very um, shortened way in terms of running a workshop like that? If an organization wanted to do one in, in, internally, what, yeah. what would you suggest that they do? How, what process would they follow? So first of all, I have to say that uh, my experience during this period, since I've been forced to work remotely and do it, you know, I mostly do it in Teams or Zoom, um, the, the end result, there's no difference in the end result. from a live session you know face-to-face session the end result is as good but the process is a little bit more a a little bit boring to me you know i like to interact with people as you said and you know push them in the right direction stuff like that but the end results tends to be as good as the physical one which is a good start so when i work with you know both physical and online and actually you know i use the same process i've just taken away a few steps uh, in the digital one, because the, rule number one is to be, you have to be over clear on instructions. You know, it doesn't help if it's if, if you have a slide where you where the, act, the the actual you know instruction is written down in a very simple language. You have to tell them you know 
10,000 times. That, that's the first thing. But the trick I, I, I've been using in both physical and online is that you always start individually. So instead of working with post-its, I pre-set up a document to each participant, and that will be their post-its. First of all, uh, it's for documentation because we document everything. Um, but we start individual, which, uh, and that allows people to kind of brain dump their thoughts. Um, of course, we we work first with having a safe environment that you know tell them that not, not, nothing in good and nothing is bad until we prove it to be good or bad. You know, we're here to fail together because we know we're going to fail a lot to be able to succeed. So we start individual in like five or ten minutes, depending on the challenge, but maximum of ten minutes, and then I kind of put them in smaller groups to, to tell the others about their you know the things they have wrote down individually. And that kickstarts the conversation and makes it really everybody contributes, you know. Otherwise, we know that if I'm a group of five, I know exactly who's going to lead that group and take over and talk. But if you do it like this, uh, and you also give them time uh, restrictions, then they, you force them to contribute, sort of, but in a, in, in a friendly way. So that's the trick. So go quantity to find quality. And then you tell them to discuss and, and, and pick a few to present to the others. And then you, you keep narrowing it down like the double diamond method. Thank you very much for sharing that very practical um, approach and that companies can take away and use it. Obviously, you are, you, you are always the external facilitator in an organization that comes in. Um, yeah. I'm guessing the role of a facilitator is very key. So even if an organization wants to do it themselves internally, they need to have mm. that one person, maybe a product product manager or or, yeah. or somebody from that. I'm guessing. Yes, that that's yeah. It it really helps to have someone who's not in the in the actual workshop uh, or or a contributor. You know, a separate facilitator. I think is the best. But you know, I've been working with the, the Google Design Sprint methodology as well, where you are more contributing as a as a facilitator, but I like to be a neutral part and, and not the one that helps them to come up with things. I might push them in the right direction, but they are the one who solves the problem and it actually gives them more confidence and strength in the end. And then, and also they usually know their business better than I do, um, actually. Uh, so I think, and I believe in, 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 in the power perspectives as we talked about. Uh, or as I talk about, that's the key to everything. So you kind of need to get everybody on board and contribute because uh, it's usually, you know, this is my experience. I might be wrong, but it's usually not the one who talks the most that comes with the best ideas. It's usually the quiet one. It's usually the quiet one because you haven't heard that person's perspective before. And that's usually the quiet one that asks the questions that, that kind of opens up the pandora's box sort of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it tends to be the quiet ones that they don't obviously talk much but once they say something the rest of the room often goes silent and it's yeah. very important to have people like but that if you are uh, the facilitator at the workshop a really good thing is to set a, a, a really clear agenda and for that i use uh, something called i do art I think it's it's the chaos pilots that came up with it, but I do art. It stands for uh, intention, desired outcome, rules, uh, responsibilities. I do 
uh, A is for agenda, rules, responsibility, and time. So usually I say, you know, the desired outcome today is la la la. You know, we're going to come up with a, 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 a new wheel for a car. Okay. Um, the, um, the time, uh, the agenda is that first we'll do this and then we do that. The rules, I'm the facilitator, you are the contributors. And uh, then also, you know, this is a safe zone, ask twice, have fun, you know, bounce the ball and stuff like that. And then be very clear on timing and breaks because people are so worried about, you know, when can I have my next break? Uh, which they usually totally forget about when you start working, but in, in the first thing. Another good thing is, is if you, for example, um, use uh, Zoom, is that you are in the control of the breakout sessions. So as I said, we always start individually and then I divide them into groups of maximum five people. And I, as a facilitator, can send them out in, in separate breakout rooms. Uh, and I'm, I'm not letting them know the participants in that breakout room because people are so worried of being in the wrong group, you know. So that's also a good tip is not to tell them about which group they're going to be in because they, 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 will, they will increase their anxiety, unfortunately. I think it's so important in any setting, workshop or non, um, uh, remote or face-to-face, -face, yeah. agenda and sticking to the time, so important. It's I find it personally very frustrating when when things run over. Uh, and if you know, sometimes there's reason because the discussion is really good. It's a shame to interrupt it, but sometimes it's just poor management of the of the meeting that uh, absolutely that but kind of gets in the way. The tip of the day: I do art. Google it. It's it's amazing. Uh, you can also Google how, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, very famous talk show <laughs> host. Oprah uh, Winfrey? Oprah Winfrey. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, crazy. Uh, but she also has, you know, when she enters a meeting, she asks three things. I, I never remember those three things. But if, she, if you can't answer those three things, she just turn around and leave. And I think, you know, it sounds harsh, but I think it's really good. And, and and another tip of the day, if you do art, start every meeting with giving people five minutes of reflection, individually, silent in the room. You run around like crazy and uh, you never prepare enough. So just give everyone five minutes to actually reflect why they are in the room and uh, reflect on the agenda quietly, individually, before you start the meeting, you will have thousand percent better meeting that is probably the biggest nugget that i absolutely love um, you couldn't couldn't super, agree more super simple but yes it's a simple thing small simple things that makes the difference one of my favorite ways of looking at a meeting is uh, to make a meeting productive i've never done it i've been tempted so many times but it was the, to remove all the chairs mm. from the meeting room because you know then that people are not gonna they're not gonna waffle, they'll focus and they'll concentrate. Obviously, if you're having a half a day workshop, maybe yeah. not the best of ideas. Uh, but it makes you think. But it's as you say, it's the little things. Yeah. It's moment of reflection. But but also you have it has to be uh, structured enough so because people are also, you know, if you if you're a leader by nature, for example, you will take lead. If there's no chairs in the room, you will like, let's find another room, you know, or or let's sit on the floor and and people 
are very creative sometimes and, and some people are very fast of being creative and and they can ruin your plan if you if if the plan is too wacko sort of obviously the the the, the chair and the, the no chair scenario wouldn't work when we when we work in remotely everybody's <laughs> got true. their chair and good luck to the facilitator trying yeah. to remove them right um Coming yeah. back to innovation, we said we talked about uh, it's obviously a, a change management process mm-hmm. as well uh, for any organization. As you said, you can only do so much as a facilitator. It's the organization that needs to do all yeah. the legwork, and any change can and can and probably should be kickstarted with some sort of workshop or you know have some sort of starting point. Where I see innovation workshop and sprints like mm-hmm. you do them as yep. part of the process but we we both know it doesn't work that way that it's just one workshop and they yep. can get on with it it is something that takes mm-hmm. time and the way i work with with my with my clients my organizations is the fact we start with a workshop and then it's at least a three-month process where we touch base regularly that I'm mm-hmm. available to talk to people uh, to support them through whatever they're doing they need to continue doing the work you and I talked about uh, a couple of models, and I'm not sure whether this is the one that you've, you we can we can apply to. But you mentioned the Nostra T. That's usually what I what I use. Yes, uh, that's it's a it's a model for complex change. Um, and every time I have you know meeting with a senior management or you know a board or something like that, I show this uh, this model uh, for managing complex change, and, and and they usually look at each other and nod. You know, yeah. Mm. So basically, it's about uh, five different segments that you have to have in place to to make uh, change really effective and and uh, you know strong sort of. And the first one is like you have to have a vision of where we're heading. You know, you have to have a plan how to get there, and uh, you have to have like resources to get there, and you also have to have skills. And the last thing is that you have to have incentives. Uh, if if you don't have these in place, so this model kind of shows is is a visual. Maybe you can link to it in 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 the um, in the description or something like that. But uh, for example, if you don't have a vision, uh, it, there will be confusion, you know. And if you don't have the skills, uh, people will get an anxiety. You know, they don't know how to do. If if they don't have an incentive, uh, if they don't get anything from doing this, you know, there there will be resistance. They will, you know, why should I do this? You know, and and if you don't have the resources like time, money, and people, you know, there will be frustration. That's for sure. And if you don't have that action plan on how to to get there, there will be a false start. And 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 I think you know this is usually you can take your situation and map it out here and say you know do we have a vision uh, yes or no and if if we don't have it there will be confusion so we kind of use this on you know the smallest to the biggest projects because you even if you have a small project it has to align with the vision right if the vision for the company is to we're going to rule the world you know your idea needs to support that vision uh, and if if the idea is about building a spaceship if 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 you are you know uh, having a zoo right now, you probably don't have knowledge about uh, um, you know building a spaceship. So you you if you don't have uh, the skills, you kind of have to work on that. You know, 
So that, that's how it works. You know? and, and when it comes to innovation, it's very popular now. And I, I said it in the beginning as well, that you have to use all the resources you have in the company. You know, now that people have time, work with open innovation. Yes, but you have to have ins- incentives in place for people to contribute. Otherwise, they will, you know, uh, be very resistant. So I think, you know, look, look into this plan, make it your own. Take away a few parts if you want to, but start with this one and try to map out your situation. So, for example, as you said, you know, what's your what's your uh, um, take on, on the situation right now when it comes to to uh, innovation and companies and working uh, remote? Yeah, most companies doesn't have a plan for it, and that's why these mm-hmm. false starts they're running around like like chickens, you know, and they don't know why they're doing, it. and then they when the the ones that are in, in place and have all the systems and they have a plan you know if they if people don't have the skills you know they will be messy so i think it's a good model so i recommend people to look at it mm. and, and use it definitely you first introduced me to the model and it's like building blocks uh, i will link to all of that in the show notes yeah, it's very so you visual. can, you can uh, look for uh, at it for yourself it's very visual but it's like building blocks if you don't have one you it might struggle yes. with the other I'm very appreciative of your time that you've dedicated to to us. Final question, how people can find you if they've got any questions, if they want to reach out or just want to say thank you for the awesome advice yeah, that you've given Yeah, I them. think, you know, either they can mail me at frederick at houseofsparks.com or they can add me on LinkedIn. It's Frederick Hegamer or Friedrich Hegamer as it is in Swedish. I'll include all your contact details if, if that's absolutely with you absolutely. in the show notes again so people can find you. And uh, that's probably the, the easiest way. Yeah, because they're, they're, I think, you know, the best best uh, change is to learn something, you know. So I, I happily share my knowledge because when I do, I always learn something. So today I learned about this new tool, you know, Sencaster. So you always learn something, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that you could learn something a tiny little bit from from me and absolutely Zencaster is a fantastic tool for podcasters. So if anyone is thinking of going into digital production of podcasts, highly recommend it. Beautiful tool. Um, right. Again, fantastic level of knowledge and detail that I'm sure will come in handy for everyone. We've got your contact details and it's been absolute joy to have you. Thank you very much for coming on and I'll let you get on because I know that you've got deadlines. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been a blast. One more thing before you take off. Next Step Group offers premium level support across a diverse range of remote work issues, 24 hours a day and in multiple languages with experts in HR, legal, operations, tech, leadership, and more. It's open to leaders looking for guidance, consultants, and remote workers wanting to share their experience. You can join by visiting www.nextstep.group. This podcast is produced and hosted by Lekuzowski from Human PM. Special thanks to the founders of the Next Step Group, Christina Barger, Jelaine Chan, Stefan Dorn and Matteo Grassi.